0: Right, hey, before we get into it today, just like to thank the blokes and ladies that keep the lights on here. Our sponsors.
1: Better beer, jogging a can, winning a tin, the athlete's choice. Look, no matter what sort of beer you drink, they've got you covered. Go check out their whole range.
0: Country Trucker Cats for keeping our domes out of the sun with all their deadly designs.
1: TikTok Nutrition for keeping our bodies filled with the good stuff.
0: SP Tools for giving us the best tools for all our projects at home and on the work side.
1: And the true blue Aussie bookie Bluebet.
0: I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize bell. to absolutely nobody. The double chance does what the <laughs> he wants. G'day, welcome back to another episode of the Alpha Bikes Podcast.
1: Here to give the everyday battler a voice, delete head noise, one laugh at a time, let's fucking delete the top of this can, what better be, go get around it. Uh, right. Intro to today's guest, pro enduro motorbike rider and Red Bull athlete, Daniel Chucky Sanders. How you going,
2: legend? Good fellas, yeah, we're doing alright, made the trip up here, yeah. not, not so much sunshine, but uh, <laughs> yeah. that's
1: winter, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon, how'd you go, mate, plenty of ride works.
2: Yes, yeah, plenty of staying at um, Mitchie's joining in uh, Harvey Bay there. So just cruised on up this morning with him and, yep. yeah, stopped off, checked out a few Bay Marie's and a few caffeine hits. So we <laughs> yeah. definitely charged.
1: Yeah. And, mate, you're nursing a pretty uh, serious injury at the moment. The fucking femur break, is it, bro?
2: Yeah, I snapped that in two. So I was training two weeks before the Fink Desert race. So yep. I haven't got to Fink yet and raced over the last uh, three Four years, really. Um, first year I did was COVID, so that got canned in March. And then the second year I was overseas racing. And then, yeah, last year I was uh, out with a broken elbow. So I was pretty yep. busted up. And then this year I just did it two weeks out before the race. So. Fuck, man. Spewing. So, so that's training
0: to... for Fink, was
2: it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so with the Fink Desert Race track, you can ride it all year round. So the best spot. Best place to train for it is obviously in Alice Springs, yeah, yeah at, down the track, so you can learn every bump, every track. So the locals get to ride it all year round. So I'm from Melbourne, so I just went, you know, drove up there and pretty much just planned to live there for six weeks to train for it,
1: yeah, and learn yeah, the nice. track. So, yeah, Mate, just... how, how'd you actually how'd it come about that you broke your fucking leg? Was it a pretty <laughs> bad stack, or it actually wasn't? So the average speed for
2: that race for me is about. 125, 130 k's an hour, yeah, and it's like 240 k's down to the like from Alice Springs to Fink, and then the next day is Fink back. So, I was just cruising around on my rally bike. So, compared to a motocross bike, the rally bike that we that I race now, it's um, it carries a lot of fuel. So for the desert races, you carry 36 liters. So fuel. So, I just went down for the day to yeah, Fink, fueled up, came back. I was just learning, learning the track on my rally bike, and literally. Jotting down notes, just cruising, nothing too crazy, and then uh, I I got to about 100k's to go on the way home, and then I remember just coming into a left hand corner in a chicane, and the next thing I woke up on the ground with a broken femur, and I was just like, "What has just happened?" So Fuck. it was pretty pretty sickening. I was literally waking up. I've I've knocked myself out, I don't know once or twice, and this time was like full blackout. I don't like it's the first time I've not remembered. What happened? So. Yeah,
1: like just woke up from nothing and went, fuck. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. So I was laying literally in the dust and I was riding by myself. There's no one, no support crew because I was literally just cruising down. Yeah. And yeah, that happened. And I was just laying there just like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> this, this ain't good. And then I actually got my phone out of my jacket, went to call triple zero. No service down there. And then I blacked oh, out again, no. passed out. Next time I woke up, there was like three, four dudes standing around me and they already got sent off to get help and that. But yeah it was um a bit of a gnarly gnarly situation how
0: long do i reckon you were out for for that second stage well
2: i was running my watch so that's like how i could gauge how fast i came off which was 55 to 60 k's now which is literally the slowest part of the track Mm -hmm. like one of the slowest bits so it was um yeah a bit weird but i was laying there for 15 minutes until someone was there and then another 15 minutes until i got into a car
1: yeah yeah, what hurt more, ass- man, the injury or the fact that you're two weeks away from fucking competing in the race and couldn't? Ah, oh, the injury, but injury probably the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's, just that's the road a- trip into Alice Springs Hospital,
2: which wasn't um, the greatest trip to go into. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was more so getting into the car and getting out of the car. I got in the front seat with a snap leg, and I thought it was just snapped in one, but it was actually in the middle of the of the femur in your leg, and then up near my hip joint, and I split it and splintered it off as well. So it was Fuck. actually. I was holding it in the car while we were driving that last 110Ks or 130Ks into town, hitting – it's on a dirt road too, heaps of washouts and stuff, and I was thought I had it in place, but it was snapped in two, so the whole thing was just floating. Oh, <laughs> man. And so I got into town, I thought my foot was lined up with my leg and I was twisted at 3 o'clock, and I'm like, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs>
1: wow. Well, so I knew obviously straight away it was one of those ones where you knew it was fucked, like knew oh, it was yeah, broken yeah, from yeah, the start. Yeah, I've never broken
2: a leg before um, – but I've done bones and I know when bones aren't attached and yeah. that wasn't attached. And oh, when yeah. your legs just float and it's like.
1: Because isn't your femur like your biggest bone in your body? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think. So well, you didn't hardest... fuck around. Yeah, hardest yeah. to break, isn't it? Or... Yeah, it would have to be. Like I had knee braces on too and obviously your boots. So that restricts everything up until, you know, where the first break was. So yep. that stop your knee for twisting. And it's broke and then it, it's, it's weird how it's broken in two as well because it's obviously twisted as well in there and and from my hip joint something's grabbed and twisted so. Mm. Not sure but yeah, I bled out a fair bit in hospital. I had to have two blood transfusions in there too. Oh, um nice. so they just chucked a massive rod down it and screwed it off. Yep. Both both ways so you know, I just literally came into Brisbane for a check up at the Brisbane Private. Uh got some good surgeons there so they look after me. It's worth the trip up and yep. Yeah, everything's on on track. It's 8 weeks now. Yep. Another six weeks and we'll um get checked off hopefully in August and um hopefully make a return to racing the next yeah, race I gotta do is like October.
1: Yep. They're pretty happy oh. with your process se- like progress so far, man. Like yeah. from when they did it and everything?
2: So far it's a bit of a weird like the top break I did where it's splintered off and sort of pretty messed up. That's sort of got the biggest gap and that's the one to worry about. So we just gotta uh yeah, just keep checking that and make sure we're
1: walking and doing the right things. Yep. Oh, fucking hell, mate. Well, hopefully it all goes well for you, bro, and you're on the bike, you know, soon. Yeah. Um, Before we get back to the start of it all, where you got introduced to bikes and everything, how'd you get the nickname Chucky? Um, Chucky came from my dad, I think, when I was a kid, so I was
2: just chugging too much milk. Um, Lots of mums full, pure, whatever she was producing back then, some goodness, and yeah, ended up just chucking up too much. I'd just drink two bottles, like I'd just keep chugging, chugging, and then just... You know, start crying and then just spew everywhere. <laughs> Normally it was on someone like either yeah. dad or mum just when they will trying to get me to burp and i just spew. So as always, he's just chucked up again. So I just got Chucky from there. Yeah, that. right, right yeah. from the start. Yeah, and then teenage years kicked off, year seven, eight, started a few cans there and didn't really like the rum and all that. Yeah. Than that
1: than Probably that. should have stuck to milk by the way <laughs> yeah. your leg's going, mate. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I've just skipped the calcium far out. So There yeah. you go. Maybe I have to get some uh, more milk in my system now. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, you've
1: got some good stuff at the supermarket. I don't want to hit mum back up for it. <laughs> <though>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Mate, uh, so take us back to the start, your childhood and everything like that, mate. What was it like?
2: Uh, so I grew up in Yarra Valley, just um, yeah, east of Melbourne, about an hour and a half, two hours in, just at the foot of the hills there. We grew up on an apple farm, and um, the house block is like 40 acres, so just perfect to ride dirt bikes around there. And then the apple farm had... Um, yeah, like four hundred acres of uh, bush, sort of backed up to it. So oh, beautiful! That was all. Dad used to race, my uncle used to race, so we just ripped around that as kids. And I only started when I was eight, so I was pretty young. I was a bit of an active, crazy kid, so just. What did know, you start on? JR eighty, so it was yep. Suzuki. So yeah, nice. Dad put me straight on the clutch and gears and no auto. So yeah, started there, and um, yeah, just stepped up to eighty fives, and uh, got got into the power band, and. Then Started racing in like 2007, so I was like year seven then and yep. like 13ish. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I had to. I did yeah, primary school, high school, finish year 12, and then sort of the year 12 mark, I was like, right, I got to a, you know career path. Everyone's like, what are you going to do? And I sort of just got some good results in the nationals there, and knew I could do it. And um, I was because all those pros are getting paid at you know professionally to do it all year round. So I was like, ah. Oh, you know, I think I can kick it in the doors, either that or sort of go footy. I played a lot of sport as a kid as well, like footy, um, like AFL, um, basketball and cricket. And then yep. motos was in it. So I was pretty active as a kid and always wanted to go down some sport path. And motos at the time just felt cool and it's really unique. And yeah. I sort of had a really good area for it where we grew up. A lot of mates raced and rode and, and then I was super competitive as well. So it was more well, – I went down the individual side of it. Um, Basketball figured I was too short um, pretty early. So then sort of focused more on, um, yeah, motos and that and freed up the weekends.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like like you said, man, growing up where you did, like you've got a backyard where you can hook in straight away and don't have to rely on probably travelling to go to training or rely on other people to train. You could hook in on your own, right?
2: Yeah, I, I was super lucky with that, but I only just started on like literally grass tracks and then we got a lot of... Um, like our area is a lot of logging and stuff, so it's heaps of you know big gum trees and and a lot of thick bush. So just whenever there's a fire burn through or whatever, um yeah, dad just pushed in with a grater blade and tractor and just punched in tracks. And we had like club events there and stuff, so always had race tracks there and just learning like hills. It was really wet, wet area there, so a lot of clay and um, yeah, just camped out there with my mates and over the on the weekends and go riding. Did you mainly stick to enduro the whole time? Did you do a bit of motocross? No, I never went motocross. Dad never let me sort of watch Krusty Demons and all that. Like, I was never allowed to go to the shows because it was too, you know, burning bikes, doing flips and yeah. burnouts and all that wild stuff. And, like, I was already a super hyper kid, so I wasn't allowed to <laughs> <laughs> don't get any more stupid ideas in my head because I, I do that now and I can see why he held me back a lot. But, um, yeah, it was uh, good to, yeah, sort of just stayed enduro because that's what he raced. And he was good at like a Australian yeah. champion at that. And then, yeah, now we could actually do it for a job. So I just stayed at that and I did do a bit of motocross later on and build a track at home and play around in that, which is fun. And that's sort of what's helped me elevate to where I am as well and just doing different disciplines.
1: Yeah, for sure. And where, like you said, you got that to that path where you're like, oh, I've got four or five different sporting things that I could chase, pick the motorbike route and enduro and stuff. When did you actually get to the point where you uh, might have had a thought in your head of going like, all right, I can actually, i I've got a chance here to maybe make something of it?
2: Yeah, I probably started year 12 and it was like you go to the career teacher and they're like, what do you want to do And you, you know, start planning ahead like this is the jobs you want to do, this and that. I was like, well, I want to try. Like at that stage, i already just done one of the Aussies and I was in the top 10 like in the senior ranks in yep. the pros. So I was like, well, if I'm in there, I'm already beating two, three guys that are getting paid. Um, so I was like. I can make money out of it and I'm young and I'm only going to get better. So I was like, I want to go down that path and become a professional motor rider. And then I think they ended up bringing up my parents or my mum or dad, I was probably my mum. And then they're like, oh, he wants to go down this motorbike path or whatever. Like, surely he's got to have a backup. And I said, no, i will just go to the mines and make, make cash. And then, you know, I was just going to do that as the backup. Um, but we had the apple farm there as well to to go into but that sort of didn't interest me at the time either I was full focused on moto so I just sacrificed everything there and mm-hmm. full focus on that but I still had to do year 12 and did the exams at the end and then yeah went into that and just pretty much when I was 18 dad's like all right you're paying for everything and, and then the first year was hard uh, getting out paying I, I got a good deal through um I was originally riding KDM that year through when dad would pay for the bikes and then but I still had to obviously work for all my entry fees and all that. So it wasn't just given to me and say, here you go. Like yep. from the get go, it's always, you're working for it. You're paying for it, your licenses, your race entries, this and that. So,
1: Which probably made you um, put a, a bit more effort into it, eh? Rather than someone sort of rocking up and just having everything paid for. It's like you putting in the effort to get there probably made you try harder, I suppose.
2: Yeah, it is. And I see it a lot with some people like the kids that, you know, parents are, you know, super supportive and they'll give them everything they need to make it. But then they get to the 17, 18 year old stage and like go drink with your mates and party or make it happen. Yeah, so mm. I was always like, I sort of, I don't know, I have I, my group of mates that are freaking wild and, <laughs> and they would party and like, I just had to cut it. Like I was so serious with it all. I was just like, no, no alcohol. Yeah. And like, I'd go party and then just drive from all like wherever. And um, yeah, it was just sort of, Get down that track and, um, you know, had to sacrifice and just make those decisions, business mm. decisions. to Be like, no, nah, I need to make this happen. Then first these next two years while well, I'm young and then while well, you've got, you know, no bags attached and make yeah. it happen. So cut off the career wreckers and, um, you know, just focus on yourself. Well, how'd, yeah, sorry. Yeah. How
0: did you find getting into like your sponsorship stuff like uh, early on, signing a team and knowing who's the right person to go with? Although I was only like certain options at that time.
2: Yeah, there was a couple of teams. So the main ones in the enduro scene were like um, KDM, Husqvarna, and uh, Yamaha. Yamaha were putting in a lot in KDM. So that was sort of the two big teams going at it and throwing the most budget at it. And um, so I went um, that first year out, I got two free bikes from Kawasaki, Australia, which was like good for. I tried to get more out of KDM, but um, at that stage I couldn't. And then I said, oh, I sort of have to need, I need bikes to, you know, support my direction and my the money I'm on sort of on. So when I was, yeah, 18, 19, I had to work at the Apple Farm, pay for all my stuff and then I did that and I struggled on that bike. So then I stepped back to what I knew and then that sort of kicked off and, yeah, made it happen. And then, yeah, KDM hit me up to jump on their team the following year. So that's when you, you get your salary, you get your bonuses and, um, your team, you got a mechanic. Everything's all that's covered, so that was cool. And then, yeah, that's when it's sort of kicking off that year. Once you got that support, it helped you get to the next, next level. level yeah. yeah,
1: and it'd be one of those things too, where if you didn't have that support, that's a part of your energy that you're expel and trying to get all those things sorted. eh, where if that's a part that's covered, you can sort of focus on other things and make them better. Would that be sort of?
2: Yeah, it right? was. So I was still. So that the next year after the Cowies, I had to pay for you know new bikes again, yeah. Because um, I was like, all right, that was my last year. That was make or break. And I was like, I already, I was you know living off <laughs> a couple hundred bucks in the bank account every week, and then um, yeah, that year was like right, all all enough in that 2014, and I was like, all right, I did everything I could, and I think I finished sixth overall and won the under 19s Australian Championship that year, which was good. Yeah, and yeah, that was yeah, the foot in the door and, um, it just, the next year I could just focus on racing and not have to worry about working and paying things off and, and all that and focused more on training and full time to, um, you know, train seven days a week instead of working from seven to five and then hopefully knocking off half an hour early if the weather's good and go ride. There was no other than footy training at night. I was still playing a little bit of that. So just to, you know, have some fun and kick the kick the ball around a bit
1: yeah oh for sure mate we'll get to the dakar rally like soon but up until that point what do you reckon some of your best achievements were in the sport like until then
2: oh um the big thing for me was like winning the australian championship um we sort of built a level up in australia in that time where we had the fastest enduro riders in the world so there was the enduro like the enduro world championship based in europe and then there was like the enduro sort of championship in America like the GNCC's they call it um so we sort of had our own one here the AORC and to win that was really cool and then sort of all three championships would joined together and do the international six-day enduro uh so that was sort of we've been Argentina Slovakia um France uh whereas we've been Chile and Portugal yeah, I, nice. I did six so six of them and yeah, it was really cool. I finally got to win one of them in 2019, which was my last one in Portugal, uh, like overall. So we go there as an Australian team. It's like our Olympics and you got 400 riders there. And then to be the fastest, like all the fastest dudes were there and to go win that, that's like the big
1: Fuck you know, yeah, man, that's box. Awesome. So I
2: sort of did that and that's sort of what I didn't have really any more goals to do, um, like to tick off in that enduro scene. I was like, right, i try motocross because I was sort of pretty good at that. Randomly, but I've never done any race. I've done one race and I was sort of top three guy against these guys. So I, I sort of had that that skill to sort of mind, sh- like shift my mind across to focusing on those areas
0: where I needed to improve. Who were you with over there? Was that Kato or Gasco? Yeah, so I went
2: KDM from 2000, and, uh, was it? 15 was the first year on the team. And then I did 15, 16. And then 17, I raced in Italy. So I did the World Enduro Championships that year. But there was a, like an Italian team and I just struggled heaps. And then so I came back for eighteen, but then I switched to Husqvarna, yep. which was KDM's other half of the company. Like there's just another brand they have. Yeah, Race here in eighteen nineteen. So that was on a Husqvarna, but it was an Australian based team and we just send out over all our sort of parts for that. Yeah. What's where's gas gas made? Uh, it, so that was a Spanish company. Yeah. And then
0: now yeah, Cato owns them yeah, as well. Has bought that. So yeah. how long they Gas Gas been in the Enduro game?
2: Um, fair way. Like, I'd say back in the nineties, at least. I can. Oh wow! Yeah, right. Yeah, it right yeah. so yep. was a Spanish company. Um, and KTM bought it maybe in two thousand eighteen, nineteen, somewhere around there. How do you find prepared to a mate? It, they're all they're all obviously built in the same um, yeah. factory in Austria, and then it's just like they'll have their differences. Like now I'm on, um, the motocross bikes are pretty similar between yeah. all three brands. It's just a few things bit. Um, a few bits and pieces that are different, but gas gas is like the entry level with price range in KDM than Husqvarna, like how it is with parts and stuff. So, yeah. but for what I do now in rally, it's they're all the same bike.
1: yeah yeah, sweet. So Mate, do you find uh, Aussies are pretty blessed in the terrain that we have here compared to other countries? Like, obviously we've got a big ass country, yeah, which. Would help having hundreds of kilometres of a race to do. Do you have a bit more variety training wise than other people would in other countries? You reckon? You do, but you just got to travel for a week to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Just pack the van or you'd up and just go bush
2: for a few few weeks training. But yeah, it is like we've got a good good mixture of stuff. Um, we are blessed with what we've got here. It's so sick. Like the desert. Like for me, I haven't even really explored the desert yet on my bike. Like there's so many things I want to do. Like. I went to Fink this year and rode up there, and I loved it. Like, the track up there and the speed's sick. And yep. the only thing dangerous thing for us racing here in Oz is, like, the animals. Like, we've got to watch out for yeah, yeah. all the roos and, and emus and probably camels out there as well. But we're going to get camels overseas racing, so it's not too bad, They're slow moving.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, fucking nice. Mate, the Dakar Rally, like, getting to that, how'd that lead up come into it, like, your first time racing and what was that all like as an experience?
2: Yeah, so sort of 2020, so it was like that shift from 2019, I jumped jumped across to, yeah, 20, and then we sort of got the first couple of rounds off and then it all went dead from the, from the um, bat virus. And then yeah. we sort of started fishing around, either go to America because they were racing or go to, um, yeah, rally, because I sort of started liking the desert and the high-speed stuff. So sort of speaking to Austria, and then they wanted me to go more towards a rally, and I said, all right, shit, yeah, let's go. Um, so I pretty much packed my bags up in the au- end of August and then sent it until, yeah, end of Dakar, January. So that was sort of, um, was it, seven months overseas kind of thing. So And you couldn't come back. It was a quarantine section as well. So yeah, it's just right. literally pack your bag up and go and learn something different. So mm-hmm. first went to Spain. And so with Dakar Rally, you got a it's not just riding your dirt bike from A to B. You've got a map, a road book. Like on a scroll in the front of your bike, which is on the tower. So, <laughs> if if it's hell. like having your phone mounted in front of you on on um on the dash, and then you're to yeah. you read reading where where you gotta go. But it's all like paper; it's not digital. So, really, yeah, it's all drawing. So you got your kilometers, and then a drawing, and then some extra information as well. So
1: <laughs> you gotta read hell. that,
2: read the terrain, and it's compass as well. So you got your G point. Like yeah. G spots. What was I saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your GPS. That's hard so to find too. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It took me a while. <laughs> Far, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we got to. So it's just a massive. We got a GPS on a bike and heaps of buttons and shit. It's like you're driving a
0: bloody spaceship. So mm. It's nuts. Plus doing 120 clicks or whatever. Yeah, 180. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. For
1: 180. People who haven't heard it. of it before, like, it, how many hundreds of kilo- kilometers is it? The the race in in total.
2: Uh, total, I think it's about eight to nine thousand each year um so it's a 14 this year was a 14 day race uh, i think our biggest day was 800 k's yep. on the bike so I think so bike category it's and the bikes are 450s so there's no twins anymore it's all just you know single cylinders to keep it safer and the weight down so yep. our bikes about 160 kilos full of fuel and like race weight and then yeah 36 liters of fuel in it and uh we'll have one fuel stop during the day so normally Average day, we wake up 3 o'clock in the morning and takes us about an hour to get ready. Uh, from We sleep in, like, camper vans. Like, each we'll share with another rider and wake up, brekkie, get geared up, and then ride to the start of the stage and we'll sort of get there at, at dawn and have 45 minutes to get ready. Yep. Put our road book in. So we don't know where we're going. We just literally, they just hand us this massive paper cigar and say, put this in your bike, scroll it through and quickly highlight some... Areas that we think are going to be tricky for navigation, Fuck, and mate. then there's a desert, and follow that paper, and hope you don't get lost. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. How many, yeah. many bikes do you have? Well, I think this shows one seventy, yeah, bikes, and it costs like for an average punter to go tick it off. It's like a hundred Aussie, be about one sixty grand mm, to just yeah. go race it. Like it's sick. That's covering like the team. You hire right. a bike, all your flights, a practice race, and um, yeah, mechanical all your bedding and sleeping food entry fees, like 50 grand, just that. Yeah.
1: So how many bikes get lost? Heaps.
2: Like <laughs> I it's fucking it's, wood, man. So the thing is with us, I, like, bikes have it the worst because in cars and trucks, they've got co-pilots. So those dudes get, you know, told where to go, what to do. It's like, yeah. um, you know, WRC where bikes, it's us. And the bike and the map.
1: You're not only <laughs> racing, you're thinking about where the fuck you're going yeah. and trying to figure it out. In and a shit. blank
2: desert, just in the dunes. Dunes are right because you're just following degrees, but when you've got to find tracks and there's like farmers that have gone through and made 10 different lines and you're meant to be on this track, but that's where your GPS will, or your, your degrees will help you find the right way. But, mm. dude, you get lost in there 15, 20 minutes and you're just like.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> yeah. Mate, like, it'd, be, just,
2: it'd be full on, right? Yeah, it? it's a different feeling, like getting lost and you know you're losing time. It's just nuts. Yeah. Lost with adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. And then that's where you like push, you make a mistake, go over a hill. You need to know what you're going over. There could be a massive cliff on one side. So, Fucking it's, hell. It's not fun. But yeah, like I've had to lead out a few days. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just sitting on the start line and you're li- literally leading this race with everyone's just following your track. Yeah. Because you go on a flat June track and you just see one straight line. Just going all the way, yeah. and the guys behind just got to tick it off. Go, yep, that's right, that's right. But even second and third, you still have to focus because if that guy in front makes a wrong call, like turn yeah. and goes the wrong way, the whole race will go that way if they're not onto it. So yeah. It's uh.
1: Is there any skull that happens? Like, you do you work with the bloke to say, "Mate, f- I'm I'm winning here. Can you fuck him off to the yeah. left?
2: <laughs> like yeah. Tear
1: him off." <laughs>
2: oh, it just happens. Like, you just do a brain fade, and sometimes, mm. like, it's just well. Like that you, many, the thing yeah. is, you focus, and so we smash that much caffeine. Like, well, I do anyway. I'm just pinging because the moment you lose concentration, it's just you lose time. just yeah. Off. So. Mm. Or you crash, or you know, you just you're not pushing the whole time. So. But we we only have to push for like four four to five hours. Yeah. But to do that, you gotta be one, the fitness and all yeah. that. But it's it's changed a lot the Dakar rally. It's not just your average av- adventure ride. Like us dudes are just going ham for that just fourteen days it. every day. Like we're trying to push and make up as much time as possible. So
1: Yeah. The preparation for every day, what have you got on you to start the day? Like litres of water, fucking caffeine? Like you got to stop for a piss however often? The shit, like as in what's... Yeah, before. so
2: we, we'll put a... I don't know how much the gear would all weigh. Probably like 10 kilos all up maybe we've got on. So boots are about four kilos. Your helmet's about a kilo. Um, we'll put like an air vest on, like an airbag vest. So Alpine Star make this um, airbag. Like they use a the GP now. Um it's got like two air canisters, like those CO two can things. Um, so we get to have names out in the in the um, desert, it's <laughs> <sad>. <laughs> and um, so yeah, that, we got two shots of that. So it's like you got two, you know, two lives to, to throw at you out there, kind of thing. So yeah. um, that's that's sort of one good safety thing we got, which is weighs a bit, and we'll run about. i only run to like one and a half kil uh, one and a half liters to two liters of water, where we can hold three liters. But I don't drink too much because. Like, Dakar's held in Saudi Arabia at the moment, so it's in their winter, and it's pretty cold. Like, the summer mornings, it was freaking minus, like, one or something, one of the mm. one of the days, so it was pretty cold. Um, so you don't really sweat that much uh, until you're working. Like, the more south we went into Saudi, the hotter it got, so it was, like, 22, but when you're working in the sand dunes, the sun's just directly on you, you're baking. So you'll probably drink two litres, maybe.
1: Yeah. And try and just make like one sort of pit stop for a piss or whatever, or you try oh, and hold it.
2: Yeah, so we have refuels um, every sort of 200k. So yeah. if you can hold, you normally can hold your piss for two hours. Um, mm. Otherwise, if you're busting, we have speed zones in in there as well. So we're going through a little town or some sort of environmental area. We'll slow down either 30k's, 50k's, 90k's. If there's a road section, it'll be 90. Yeah. But um, yeah, 30k's you can pretty much pull it out and have a slash. Yeah. Just try not to get it on your bike. Or, or you're if you're nearly 50 there, 50Ks, bud. it's a bit, it's, yeah. were, it starts
1: splashing a bit. If, yeah. if you're nearly at the end and you think you're winning or whatever, you'd just piss yourself, wouldn't you? Like at the end of the day, if you're
2: right. Yeah, you can always <laughs> lock it off. But, yeah, some people piss and shit themselves too. So yeah. it's been a bit wild.
1: Yeah. depends
2: on, It depends what you ate the night before, really. Yeah. <laughs> Far out.
1: Well, I suppose is that all done for you, like throughout it? Like you have someone saying, here, eat this. Like it'd all work together in one plan, wouldn't it?
2: Oh, every, every ride is a bit different. So some guys go way over the top with, yeah. you know, pills and this and that. Like I would just take probably like six gels with me um, and then for two or three like energy bars and, yeah, just I'll just take some Panadol and stuff with me if I need to knock out some pain if I've had a crash or something like that. Mm. So, um, yeah, then when we get back we have a team chef and everything that will just give us our food and yep. every morning just –
0: Eat as much as you can. Yeah. What do you reckon your harshest conditions were oh. of all the races you have done? Oh, I remember one day we did training in Death Valley
2: this time. Yeah. So it was like 50 degrees.
0: <laughs> that Fucking was nuts. hell.
2: We did a couple of hours out How was the bikes
0: was... performing in that heat?
2: Not too bad. It was just you're just cooking like you had water in your camelback, but it was just like drinking straight from the kettle. So I was yeah, just like, yeah. might as well put some 43 in there and just brew an instant. Like, yeah. it, was, it was stinking hot there, but. Racing wise, where else was like this year we raced in Sonora, but it wasn't like in Mexico, went there and raced, and that was maybe 30 degrees. It wasn't too bad, but it depends on your, your, your speed, how, mm. how fast you go. Yeah. Like if you've got wind flow going through, it's all right, but as soon as you stop in the dunes and you're going up and down, just working hard, that's when you start cooking. Yeah. Um, but hail's not fun. Um, yeah, any rain above 100 k's an hour, it's right. just like splinters hitting your face or your helmet.
1: Yeah, it would be. It's not fun, mate. Obviously, it's like a big physical thing, right? To perform for that long, but a mental game, like for you, the first couple of days, you just blacking out the thoughts of how long you got to go and you're just pinning it. Like, what, how's the mental thing go through a process like that? Ugh. You look <laughs> like you just love it the whole time. <laughs> sometimes you love it, sometimes
2: you don't. Like, Dakar, everything any day can throw something different at you. Like, I've gone from feeling on top of the world leading out and then just randomly just having the biggest crash Tuck in the front and just face planting and June. Split my lip open, oh. four stitches, and like my front wheels buckled. And then you have to still ride hundred k's to the to oh. the end, and
0: your front wheels. Is that like, the photos we got sent through of you? Yeah, it's probably a few G- girls um, would pay good money to have lips uh, like that. Yeah, <laughs> some they of them would. Yeah, that photo of the
2: um. That was beasting. So that, oh, yeah, was, yeah, that, yeah, that right. was that was a do- day after I got split lip open. So I put my teeth, my bottom teeth through my lip, and then I had four stitches there. So I was drinking my Camelback, and then I was like drinking, but all the water was dribbling out of my lip. So I was like. Oh. like it was a pretty pretty good party trick at the end of the day. Um, yeah, and then yeah, the the bee sting was a day after. So I got a few beehives at home. So I like I get into honey and yep. I like um, I just love you know with the diet and everything. I just love farming and growing things and the bees coming into the apples and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I've got honey at home and I've had a few good bee stings over me days and on the face and just blown up faces. And then yeah, at my first Dakar I ran and was looking at all these hives. And I don't know, there must have been just a heap going across the road after the stage, and I just got one straight in between my goggle and helmet. Just oh. went straight in and smashed the top lip, Fuck. and that just went into like a into your Botox pocket, and it just blew up, and it was huge. Fuck so then hell. then I couldn't even seal a drink, like I was just dribbling, and you know I was just going everywhere. Yeah. Um, but, and then you know some days I had this year I got like food poisoning, so I was winning Dakar like for the overall till day four, and then day five I got food poisoning, sort of thing. Oh. I had like – it was either that or like I had a big camel thorn. It was like 20 mil and it was in like my bicep well, whatever muscle that is just in your forearm there. And like so any rotation I had, it was sort of like a big wooden thorn in there. So I left that in for 10 days. But that could have caused me to get sick like – or it was the food the night before because I was shitting everywhere that next day. So, And that was like one of the coldest mornings and I was so crook. Like I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, Got out of bed – it was like 170k, like ride to the, to the start line, and then had a I was sitting at the fire, and I reckon I ducked off once for a shit, and then came back to the bike, put my road book in, I was like I need shit before the stage, and there's like dudes behind you, dudes in front of you, helicopter there, helicopter over there, I was just like, oh, I'm running 10 meters jump thing, just I was looked at the pilots, I was like, <laughs> I faced the fence and they just saw me, saw me rear end, just dropped what I had to, and then. Jump back on the bike and fire out. I think I had a bit of toilet paper. I was a bit, I don't know, what well, was maybe just rub a bit of sand in there. So uh, shit. <laughs> I was I just like, I hope I can last to the next fuel stop to take a dump. But yeah, that really messed me up for like two, three days I was spewing and stuff. It was just like I got to that end of that day and I was just like, I don't even know why I'm racing, like I was leading, and then I just lost 27 minutes that day from just no energy. It was like it's like the worst hangover ever. Like you just Got home at five o'clock. You've just spewed your guts up. You've had an hour's sleep, and you're he's like, All right, back on the bike and go for it. Oh, and it was just like you meant you couldn't focus, everyone's just blurred vision and just lethargic as oh. fuck, sort of thing. A lot, yeah.
1: I couldn't, Plus like that. you said, that thorn man, that, that probably couldn't be a worse muscle for that fucker to be in. For it you. was,
2: but it was all right because it was so it was a centimeter in, but then it was you know, two centimeters long, so it was in the muscle and it was sort of all right. It was just like a needle when I first had it, like when your arm goes numb. Yep. And I was shaking. I'm like, oh, that's all right. And then I think by about day 10, so I had in day two, I got the thorn in. I got sick after one day from that. And then day 10, it started coming up. And then that's when it started hurting. So it was actually grabbing my, grabbing the um yeah muscles when I was twisting the throttle and I was literally punching and trying to push it back into my muscle. So it wouldn't. <laughs> Snag on your clothes <laughs> yeah. and shit. Oh. Yeah, it was just, no, it was just grabbing some muscle that, you know, the next one out of it, like it was in the muscle and it was coming up on your fascia or whatever and it was just. Mm. Rubbing on that
1: Fuck mate Does anyone go through that whole race Without getting a similar sort of Like everyone had to have some sort of adversity to have to push through with a race that long Wouldn't they? Oh. Normally
2: Yeah I have 14 days of racing you are got to have one shit day like, Yeah It's shocking um, Like the year before I broke my elbow on the road section It was just Saudi Arabia's got stupid roads And It was just Four o'clock in the morning They had I was on a 3 lane freeway It was 130 k's an hour speed limit I was in the fast lane just overtaking a car, just cruising, like, 115. And then they had a curbed U-turn down 130 k freeway on the fast lane to go on the other side. And I already just passed a car. I was boxed in, and I've just looked up, and I've seen a curb. And I was like, you know, there's almost 300 off the ground. Fuck. And I've just locked in – because it was freezing cold in the morning, we were on, like, snow mitts. So I was four fingers on the front brake, tucked it, landed on my left, slid into that 100 ks an hour because it goes off your – your airbags got, like, the technology it tells you. First impact was off the charts, so the top the top recording is, like, 27.7 Gs. So. And then just cartwheel three times and got up. And I was like, oh, and I was laying there winded because I just blew myself to bits. And then I was laying there, was, like, five dude, five local Saudi Arabians just all cloaked up, didn't know what they were doing. I was like, <laughs> just winded. Yeah, just yeah. I was just like far out and then got up me elbow ended up being smashed so my bike was like a triangle oh. and I was like "My race is done and I was in a good position there too so and then you know this year that last year I'd recovered all year got to this year and then winning it in a good position no preparation before the race and I was really good and then two days just ruined my race so Will
0: you stick yeah. to what? certain foods when you're traveling all these different countries um, like definitely, you had your food poisoning. Like, what do you learn from that? Like, well, I, I
2: don't know what it was. It like, we've we've thorn, got yeah. our own chef as well. So the thing is, everyone in my team ate that food that night. Yeah, no one else got cruel. Yeah, So, yep. it might so that's why. I'm go- yeah, we're going back to the thorn. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And mm. I was speaking to some doctors and like, yeah, you got to get it out here. And then our team doctor from Austria was like, no, nah, leave it in. It's not causing any dramas. Don't have to cut it open. And then you know, mess Create around in that. Else. Yeah, exactly. And we're so early on, and everything was going good. And I was like, mm, we'll just leave it. Where'd you end up placing, mate? Uh, seventh, I think. Yeah. So my first Dakar, I got fourth overall. And then, yeah, DNF when I crashed and blew the elbow out. And then yeah, seventh this year. So we um. Yeah. Out,
1: out of how many people? Out of
2: 160, I guess. or yeah, one fifty nice. How many people enter? So Yeah. it's only like... There's probably 20 professionals that do it. And the rest are just, you know, hobby guys and guys yeah. that just love it. Like it is... If I didn't do it as a job, I'd seriously try and do it once in my life at least. Yeah. It's insane. Like Just I didn't, I didn't. bucket list things? Yeah, it is. Like, because I'm sort of racing the clock and all that, used to just doing your motos, you know, start to finish. And this was, like, sort of more adventure riding and navigating. And I, like, just, like, going fast and being the fastest, most technical guy. Yeah. But I was, like, I got into it and it's sort of addictive because you got to put the map reading. Navigation such a big thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of my, what makes it different, but it frustrates me sometimes cause I still like being the fastest guy and to, to do that, like I'm the sort of fastest guy in the group now, but it doesn't matter. Cause if you can't read a road book, you're, you're nothing out there. Yeah. So it's sort of a good, good mix of it all, but I still love to, you know, be competitive and be fast in, um, yeah, motocross and enduro.
1: Yeah. So the hunger is the hunger there to win it. Like oh, the, that yeah. guy, like that's, that's your... Are
2: you up, Toby, saying I'm coming for you, mate? Uh, yeah, like Tobes, I've been racing with Tobes since, like, yeah. I was on the first time I was on the KDM team, he was on it with me. So yep. I was on there for that year and then he stepped off into rally like that. So it's always been, you know, looking down that path. And then, uh, yeah, then now we just, you know, we, we're training together, we're racing together, all that still. So, yeah. Yeah, he's going to obviously venture off into cars soon. Um he's, you know, give that a proper crack. Well, he's yeah. done he's done a fair bit on a bike. Yeah, he's done a lot on a bike and he's, you know, he's just getting his feet and feet wet into the car system now, so he's doing good. Um mm. so he's probably got another another year in bikes I'd say and then bit more off expensive the cars. game now with cars. It is and that's when, you know, you got to rely on because you're pretty much running a team or you got to bring the sponsors into the team. So yeah. he's yeah. um obviously working on that and he does really good for himself, so
1: Mate, you're our age, aren't you? You're 94 model? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 94. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So what um, What age is your prime, you reckon, in the sport you're in? Oh, I'm, I'm a young
2: buck still yeah. doing this stuff. So if I was racing enduro, like motocross now kind of thing, 28, yep. you learn like over the years, like experience. I thought I was experienced at 22, but I wasn't. I got to 25, 26, and I was like, I was there. Um, And then, yeah, now it's just like... I've got till I'm 36 in rally, I'd say, to be the most competitive guy. Because the good thing is it's going to be the experience that's going to pay off for me now. Like, Mm. I've got those couple of years in. I won my first world rally round this year in in Mexico and Sonora. And, um, yeah, put a clinic on there, which was sick. And then now I've just got to, you know, follow that through now. I know I can do it. Yeah. Because all those guys that I'm racing against now are a lot older than me. Like. I'm sort of the youngest guy, and within the next two years, there's going to be six guys that retire that are in that top ten.
1: Yep. Well I'd that's say, that's so. unreal, mate. That you've got to where you are now. You've got that experience under the belt. You're fucking 29 this year, and you've got you know so much to to do still. Like that's pretty cool, eh? Knowing that you've got those years in front of you that you can really hook into.
2: Yeah, it is, and that's the thing that's been on the sideline right now. It's like you're trying to make the most of your career now. You're in. I'm in the perfect position to. To now build and now with, you know, the social media side of things, it's mm. like we're our own TV channel, mm. essentially. So it's just like build your brand, build everything, and just get pumping with it and make the most of it while we can before we're back on the apple farm or
1: something. Fucking you know? nice, mate, <laughs> hey, while the sun <laughs> shines, brother. Exactly. That's Who do you reckon the biggest
0: fans are country-wise with Dakar? Like, well... Uh, are your fans be Australia, would it? Yeah, yeah.
2: mainly mm. Australian. Like, it's crazy. The Dakar, like, I've done all the other races and I see the motocross and enduro side of things. Yeah. But Dakar is next level event-wise. Like, it's... I think it's the first one down under F1.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: globally. Yeah, right.
2: It's it's above MotoGP with the views it gets, like, for yeah, motorsports. So, it's actually huge. And I didn't sort of get into that after, after until I saw all the, um, all the analytics from, you know, all the views, how much coverage we get globally from, like, Red Bull or another channel that will show us, like, our clicks and everything we get and exposure. It's insane. Yeah. So that's yeah a big part of it and um but Australians massive but it's ASO that run the Dakar which is Tour de France same company yep. yeah so right that's um massive so France is huge for Dakar rally because it used to be Paris to Dakar
0: yeah that was okay. like, the what oh, that's it was called
2: true. so they used to start in Paris and go go down through France rally until i guess Spain and then they jump the they'd all barge across to top of Africa there and work through there until the um I guess all the locals. One of the bad countries had a bit of dramas in early two thousands, and yep. their their army army military said, "You guys go through here, and it's all game over." So that's when they had to stop, and then they moved to South um South America and started ra- running it to there. Yeah, until um when it started in Saudi Arabia, maybe twenty nineteen or twenty twenty was the first one they did.
0: Yeah, right. Bit but coin there
2: yeah so well they're, they're definitely about all oh, money baby <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they've got a lot so they've locked it in there for a few years but it's sick riding there like i've only done it there but it's um definitely some good areas and a good mixture of racing which is yep. which is awesome and you can just go anywhere there it's insane like some of the places we go through it's like surely no one's ever walked through this area ever like yeah surely there's yeah, someone's walked through it but it's just like thing. you're just that far in the middle of nowhere you can't see anything and it's just like You've got a helicopter the following you, and you're just in the middle of the desert, just riding through by yourself. Like this is sick. That yeah. is cool, it's eh? mad.
1: just fucking wide open. Yeah. yeah, it
2: is. It is pretty mad like that, especially when you can have fun and play. be a cool it
0: feeling, it. like the helicopter over the top of you too, and you're just fucking going for it.
2: Yeah, it is. You feel safe, and um, yeah, you see the the footage footage from it. So you always try and because they're normally the TV ones or media crew, So they um, you try and turn it on and throw a couple no footers off. Each yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're trying yeah, to yeah. focus and. And not crash and do anything stupid. So you play and put a bit of style and then do a few wheels yeah. and play up a little bit. So, yeah, I've, I've actually got some really good footage in the last few years, like, been sick. Like, I ran into a big herd of camels and <laughs> I had to, had to divide through them and split through them at, like, 90 clicks an hour. So that was Fuck fun. That yeah. one went viral. And then this year I played up in the prologue and that, that video went viral too. So that was sick.
1: Mate, Pretty what, cool. is there any moments from the boy at the apple farm where you have like a bit of a gratitude moment when you look at what you're doing and you just go, get fucked. <laughs> like that's pretty sick.
2: Yeah. Kind of like, it's just sick to what I can do now. Like I can travel the world and race dirt bikes now. It's sick. Like, and yeah, you step back and like these two injuries I had the last two years with the elbow and the, now the femur, it's, you know, a bit of a setback and you just like take it in and then just rebuild and come back stronger and bigger and better. So that's sort yep. of where we're at now. We can start doing rehab and, after this, we, we get into it, so back home and get into some rehab and then shoot off the Austria. Red Bull's got a training facility over there and yep. summer's there, so just get into it over there and try and get back as strong as possible and as back as quick as possible and try and do the next world, or the last world round in Morocco in October. That's the goal. Yeah, unreal. And then three months full gas until Dakar, so yep. a fair bit on.
1: Mate, the Fink, where do you rate Fink, like as in for you personally, Achieve, achievement, achievement-wise, there.
2: Oh, I did think high of it until this year. Like it was, it's a really good for me to train and train there and get everything good for. I guess my rally speed and that it helps. Um, the only thing that sucks is it's so far out of the way and it's so expensive. Like it's twenty-four hour drive for me to cart everything up there, like nearly two grand in fuel to get there, um, just one way then your accommodation, everything, you got to, you know, set up there and go train. So you can, I can get that, you know, close to the Mildura, which I do a fair bit of riding up there with the boys. Yeah. And – but it, it's sick. Like, the race um, – I haven't done the race, but I've ridden the track. You know, I've done it a fair few times, and it's really fun and fast and good. Um, and it's just got that hype around it because the trucks are there and the bikes are there, so it's a big event. Yeah. Um, it's sort of – for me now, it's not worth it, um, like, for – risking myself like what it's done to me now it's like for the money i would have got to win it i would have just broken even kind of thing yeah i spent just before the race i spent 20 grand to do it yeah um all the training that's without the last week of (laughs) of, Mm. you know training and to get like to get for you know maybe 40 50 grand tops um, yeah so it wouldn't
1: be really a money thing it'd be more a nostalgia thing like the fink like it is
2: yeah and that's sort of what i wanted to do because obviously i'm desert racing now and and to go there and and win it and And that's that's the thing like yeah get that and you know and get that number one plate that's what we're going for like at the moment i'm you know one of the fastest desert races in the world and i haven't gone there and competed in that event and to build i haven't got like what tobe's had where he's done think five times on the bike and won it where i this is the first year of my like option to go there and do it and i'm 28 nearly 29 already so mm. a few years behind to get at least one or whatever but i'm really not that fussed about it now like i I've, I've rode the track i love the track but yeah from a in like accident side of things like i was laying on the ground for 30 minutes called they wouldn't send a helicopter out with a snap femur and it was so close Hit my artery as well like oh. the break of it was Fucking horrendous and i'm like that right there with what i'm doing and i wasn't getting paid to be there really it's only if I got a bonus from it. Yeah. So it's just like, why would I risk going and spending that much money and investing in myself to get not much return? The other than other reward. than getting, you know, showing the fans and racing in Australia, that's what I like. Yeah. And I want to build that base because I don't really have that kind of thing. And what we do overseas is all what you see on the T V or on the gram. So sort of want to go there and do that side of things. But the other really good event in Australia is the Had Desert Race. That's sick. That's in Mill So juniors can race it it's like five six hundred senior races on the sunday and it's just nuts yeah 30 minute laps there's eight laps four and a half hour race it's sick
1: yeah, yeah. no that's awesome mm-hmm. mate yeah. red bull like growing up that's always been the coolest fucking thing ever all the coolest <laughs> cunts are wearing red bull shit doing stuff on this like how did that come about because that'd be a pretty pinch me moment for you wouldn't
2: it yeah it is so yeah i always looked at the events as a kid, so, like, Pastrana, Travis Pastrana yeah. running, and you just, like, you know, that Robbie was sort Madison of... I, got, I was allowed to watch Nitro Circus because they were, you know, like, more redneck stuff, yeah. not, like, metal <laughs> militia, like, mad, yeah. hardcore burn and stuff, so, um yeah, and Robbie Madison and that, so, you know, they were doing, you know, the, the night's jumps, like, you know, the longest jump and then jumping, um, the high jump thing and the biggest step down. Surfing that on surfing a fucking mountain <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that stuff, it's sick, and, and now I get to see the brand side of it and how you know, they've grown and with the marketing stuff, it's sick, but the people involved, the family that started it in Austria, I was lucky enough to meet, you know, one of the son, like the son out of it and like the family there as well and how humble they are and how willing they are to help, you know, athletes grow and get bigger. That's, that's the coolest thing. And yep. um, I, I just, the brand's insane with what they can do
1: for you and, and what they've done for
2: all sports. Do you remember huge.
1: when they reached out to you originally? Were you like, fuck off? Or like, how did that sort of come about, man?
2: Um, It sort of happened like when I got into the Dakar stuff. So because it's so big and then I was riding KTM that year and then because it's the Red Bull KTM factory racing team, mm-hmm. uh, that's sort of how it started. And now I sort of got my foot in the door there and then you sort of, you know, it's like your apprenticeship. You do a year and if you fit the brand and if you, and if you, you know, you're, I don't know. cool cool enough and can do sick stuff then yeah and they like it then they'll start working with you and and then start growing so that's sort of what happened and then when gas gas like austria like hey we're starting to pump this gas gas brand it's more more fun more you know you get out and do that where katie was a bit more corporate i'm like i'm a bit more of a wild child so they um shifted me over to that which is you know at at the stage i was like oh i'm not sure about that and then because you know KDM's so well known and then now they've grown this gas gas brand so big and how they're marketing it is sick so it fits me well and I can get a little bit more flexibility with it so it's, yeah. it's
0: cool. I like the merch because um, when you see someone with a red Bull hat on, you know they're legit because yeah. you can't really go buy Red Bull apparel less like Bali or something like that yeah. if it's actually like the factory racing and, th- and stuff. that's the cool thing. once people know like in
2: Australia it's not it's it's hard not many people notice it. Where because they all go to Bali and get monster hats, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Red Bull hats, rock star hats, all that, and they come back and you're just like, whatever. But the cool thing is with Red Bull, if you see someone at the airport or the shopping center, you can go up to them and go, Hey, what do you do? And yeah, then this, guy fucks. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: this guy sucks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right,
2: yeah, yeah. It's just like, What do you mean? It's just like, You're an athlete, what do you do? And they're like, Oh no, I just got it from Bali, yeah, <laughs> but like, it's nuts with like, that's how cool the brand is, like, it's so strict and mm. how. Like if you see someone with it, it's just like a brand that's so unique. And it's just like, it's a million dollar hat or, or shirt. That's like right. it's like, you, yeah. you stick to it. Uh, so that's awesome, cool. Man. So it's it's cool for the athletes that can go, you know, and people can go up to us and like, just bump into us and ask us questions or they'll figure out what you do. Even some airports overseas, I'd bump into another Red Bull athlete. Like, hey man, what do you do? And you'd chat to them for a bit and Mount Black Riders and you know, it all crosses over. And then it's a big family. So wherever we are around the world, you know, we hang out and catch out because we've got so many things in common. Yeah. And it works out
0: good with the crossovers. Yeah. You'd have a few tie kickers too, wouldn't you? Oh, I used to be fucking. Yeah.
2: We yeah. <laughs> <Red laughs> Bull. Uh, more of a mother man, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like a... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's
0: getting.
2: I don't know. you just don't know, depends. They're normally at the nightclubs. Yeah, that's <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back with the barley dad. hat on. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, I can imagine they'd put on some pretty sick events, wouldn't they? Like, have you got any highlights from events that you've been to with Red Bull or yeah, anything?
2: Yeah, um, obviously the Red Bull um, energy station at uh, F1 this year was sick. So, yeah, they set up a big, you know, corporate box where we could buy tickets and they pretty much hosted all the Australian New Zealand athletes there. So that's where we got to catch up with a lot of the guys like – you know, Danny Ricardo came in and I got to meet Verstappen and um, uh, Sergio Perez as well, the the drivers for the team. And, awesome. yeah, then we had, like, all the all the surfers, snowboarders, mountain bikers, so it was, like, it was sick. It was, it was pretty full on. Um, and then... What else have been so any time overseas I try to get to an event if I'm there? So Yeah. Went to a Moto GP in Austin, Texas, and that was one hell of a bender weekend. So we went there with like the American <laughs> Supercross Motocross guys and I was hanging out with them at the time and just got it was sick. Like it's yeah. just like just go out and hang hang out and Oh mate, it'd pump you up
1: being around other people who are into extreme sports in their own right, wouldn't it? And just so like doing cool shit.
2: Yeah, it is, and like just hanging out and it's good to also get away from your sport and, you know, those sort of locked in fans and get out into sort of some fans that don't really know you or yeah, something. Yeah. And you can just, you know, live a bit and enjoy enjoy the moment, hang out with the guys, you know, who do and then you can chat to them and hang out it's pretty sick
1: yeah well i suppose you'd be the one answering the questions a lot of the time about what you do and the hardest parts about what you do and what you're going through where that'd give you a chance to ask some people about their shit as well eh? like yeah, different sort of it thing. is
2: and i bump into so many like awesome people around the world it's like i've got friends <laughs> nearly in every country i can go visit to even in australia like if i had to drive up to you know up to here i could stop off every hour nearly yeah <laughs> and yeah, stay yeah. at someone's joint or hang out with them and like They just, I just love catching up with mates and I've got a lot of good friends around, you know, I've, I've met along the way racing and that's sort of the community I've got around me is just like, if you're a good lad or a good person, you can, you know, you grow and you meet so many other cool people that you can help and they can help you along the way, which is, which is awesome. And I I know I've given back to those people that can, you know, help me along the way. And and they're on the ride too with me. It's not like, you know, if I'm on the, if I'm like, I trained for Fink and everyone was on that. You know bandwagon to get there and support me and probably like a 100 people pulled out like just mates that we're going to go watch mm. and it's just like oh no he's out of the race it's yep. game over like we'll go book something else now
1: yep. we'll yeah we'll <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> mate at those events and that um we got sent through a little list here to help us out and uh <laughs> you got any party tricks bud that you like to pull out when you oh, when it's called upon
2: <laughs> look when i'm busting to go to the toilet I gotta go and it's normally pretty quick and hard and fast. There's a bit of pressure going on, so <laughs> I have been known to hit a ceiling or two
0: in yeah, my time. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I did see the big hose down. There was a little video getting Look, when, the, when is that <laughs> a certain way you hold it to make more pressure or is that just no, built in? I was
2: just I was naturally gifted. I, I don't know why, like I was listening to one of your potties the other week and you're talking about in the school, in, in the toilets, is how far your you mate could piss. Yes. It was always, the, always that competition. And I'm like, far out. I'm like, at my primary school, I think we had five mates lined up. Yeah. We were like back in the like in the actual sit-down, Dunny's hitting the tray. Like, yeah. it was
0: nuts. Yeah. And
2: we were like, yeah. but there was like a few of us that were talented. So I thought it was just normal. Plus and with a narrow urethra, mate. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I figured that one out. Um And then, I don't know, like, didn't think much of it. And then sort of going to the, you know, your later years when you're at the Pub, club, whatever, mm. and then dudes start playing around. It's like, is that what all you got? And, and just like randomly, there's random dudes around. You just hit the roof, and like, oh, well, what's mate, going on? I, Meanwhile, my me other mates down there eating the urinal cake, and then they're throwing up. And i was yeah. just like,
1: they're sick. Yeah. So, well, mate, if it all falls through, Australia's got talent. Eat your heart out. You might well, be able to. Well,
2: unfortunately, fucking... I got shafted. Like, I had a I had a big ball kick go through in one of my surgeries. Oh. So, when I was in Saudi Arabia laying down, someone. One of the docks, or a few of the docks, actually shoved a hose down and Grub. turned one two five into a five hundred cc. So no, God, man, bored you, <laughs> So I need to go in to get re sleeved and tighten up again because it was fun. Like it's just like yeah. like a ninety year old right now. It's just like you go, you got a little bit in. Like it's still probably above average, but it's nothing to what I had. Like Nothing <laughs> what it just, used to be. You know, you know when you're on, you got the hoses out of the on the gardening hose and you got the trigger ones, and you can change all your settings. Yeah. So it's just it used to be jet. Now it's a shower. Yeah, or miss, no just, good,
0: mate. What have you in. shot alone, mate? Is it the same? It's like a paintball gun. <laughs> you kill after your kids as <laughs> they fucking hit the backboard. Yeah. Paintball <laughs> Knock, gun. It knocks them out of the
2: way. Yeah. Get a concussion before they find their way. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I haven't figured that one out yet, neither.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, fucking <laughs> oath. Mate, it, Mate, moving forward in your career, have you got any goals that, like, are on the top of the list sort of thing? Or have you, you know... Yeah, we need to tick this Dakar thing off the
2: box, I think. Um mm. that's a big one. Like that's that's where it really changes your life. Like I've done what I've done now has been good on that, but that's gonna be the big one. Like it's so massive globally, it's like winning, you know, it's like winning the Tour de France or Olympic gold medal for us. It's yeah. it's that one thing that can change your life and that's sort of the big goal now to to, to go and do and I've got, you know, good six, seven years to do it, but I want to do it next year, you know? Yeah, so, you know, yeah, for sure. I you know, don't want to muck around and, you know, beat the bush around, so yeah, we need to get it. Where's it's it held in, next year? Saudi, they're locked in. Backed in, yep. yeah. Yep. Cashing, they're, they're paying up, so they've held it until 2030, I think.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah sweet. They've gone
2: large, so, no, it's good. I'm happy with it there, so. Yeah. They're, they're putting it on a good show, like, it's massive. What they can do with, like, we got cops all down the road, like, a safety yeah. perspective is really good, and you got, like, six helicopters, We've got an ambo chopper on us within 15 minutes of a crash, so it's it's pretty sick.
1: Yeah. Mate, before we get to some guest questions and stuff like that that we finish off with, what's the best way for people to follow you, whether it be the socials, Instagram, like stuff like that, to follow where you are on your journey and everything?
2: Yeah, the gram. Um, that's probably the, the one and on Facebook for the oldies.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> just
2: Daniel Sanders underscore 11 maybe or something like that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you just... Up, Chucky, or something, or you just type me into Google, something will pop up. Facebook, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's the go. Um, yeah, I try to try to keep it real and I don't put a you know corporate face on, I (laughs) try to hang loose, um, keep it young. So even though we're getting old, we try to try to play up a bit still and have some fun, yeah, and um, yeah, that's about it.
1: Well, I suppose it's one of those things nowadays, bro, where it's worth your time building an Instagram or something like that, or building your own profile. Outside of the racing, because one day when you do finish up like that, you can use that, you know, to yeah, do other things. Exactly, man. you
2: could mark it in and then, so. Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah,
2: I don't know. We'll figure that out when it comes. But at the meantime, just focusing on, on dirt bikes going fast and but staying yeah. upright and
1: drinking milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Fucking hell. Shout that's out to milk.
1: Yeah. Mate, so like we said, we've got some questions that we normally hit everyone with mm-hmm. at the end that we'll run through. So, first one, mate, have you ever been arrested? No,
2: and I'm glad I had that operation in I reckon if I didn't have that op in Saudi I'd probably be arrested some stage from absolutely washing down a toilet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Along the way. No, good stuff. Uh what was your first job? Well, probably doing
2: some jobs around the apples, but I don't even know if I got paid back then as a kid. Yeah, um, yeah it was just slave labour. Otherwise, maybe umpire and basketball as a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bit of yeah. cash. Yeah, not much, but something.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Mate, this is a pretty hard one. But uh, you can invite three people to dinner, dead or alive. Who are they and why? Shit. Should've hit you with these fucking before. Yeah, yeah, yeah we should have sent something to that. back to it. Three
2: people, I can't even think of that right now. <laughs> to dinner. Yeah, no. Got no idea. Nah, that's We're all right. Skip that one. Yeah, right, probably you probably go you go Elon Musk because you could ask some weird questions there. Yeah, yep. yeah,
1: that's a good one.
2: You want someone funny in the room to ask him questions and just random stuff. I'd have to go Ben Grabham. He's a moto rider. He's got he's got a few brain cells left. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I don't know, freaking one of the guys. I don't know.
0: Margaret Robbie's normally a fucking top <laughs> contender. <handle. laughs>
2: Oh, I don't know. Who's Batman? I don't know. Yeah, good stuff.
0: <laughs> um,
1: what's the best piece of advice you've been given, mate? Um,
2: Probably the local boys back home. Don't be like us and do something <laughs> you're going to do or something like that. Like, just... Yeah. Um, Yeah, just follow my dreams. Like, that's, that's sort of what my teenage years were. Like, don't go down the path of all the other guys and, you know, just be selfish and go for it. Yep. No, good, mate. And it looks like you have done that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, eh? they keep reminding me every time at the pub. Oh, I told you to keep going, keep going. Like, it's still still the case now. And, like, don't end up like us. Just keep pushing and, you know, make us proud because it's like, you know, they thrive for me being yeah. doing what I'm doing. They froth it, like yeah. loving it.
0: No, they would, mate. So don't be comfortable, pretty much.
2: Yeah, get, get weird with it. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> get, yeah. get after it. Yeah.
1: The next one, we've already answered this. It's what's on top of your buckle list, but obviously it's take out Dakar. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then just set myself up and live a good life after the career's done. Like stay in motos and figure something else that I'd really enjoy. Like love building tracks and machines and, you know, farming's yep. farming's cool and machinery, working with dirt. Like, get into the bee heaps. game, mate. Yeah, bees, like it's just you know, living off the land. That's Chucky's honey. Like. Yeah, yeah well, I've already got it. I will have to send some up to you, Fuck boys. Fuck it it's, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's like the Valley cocaine back home. It's sick. <laughs>
1: Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> get stuck into a bit of that. Yeah. Fuck yeah! And my favourite question, mate: Are aliens real? Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, baby. Right, <laughs> I haven't seen anything yet, but I love it. No, yeah. But. It's funny, man, ninety five percent of people that come on here go, Fuck yeah. Yeah. And it's like but it's like you no one really talks about it and you get looked like a weirdo. You're like, Yeah, I reckon they're real. Yeah, you always end up with that conversation about three AM at a bar somewhere, it's like, Man,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I saw an alien or whatever. And you just yeah. drag
1: on. He's like, I'm gonna bed, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it makes it more interesting, I reckon, if you think they are. Yeah, somewhat. I don't you know. You
2: always keep like I do a lot of driving, so you always got your eyes in the sky. But I just haven't seen
1: anything yet. Mm. I
2: had a heap of weird weird stuff happen, but nah, yeah. I never see it. It's always at night. It's just some random trophy falls over. It's like, Phew.
1: yeah. Uh, fucking oaf. well, Mate, thanks so much for coming on for a chat. It was unreal diving into your life so far, man, and what you got going on. And fucking, yeah, wish you all the best. Can't wait to follow your journey. Fucking yeah, boys, oaf.
2: it's just the tip. Wait until you see the rest of it. Eh? Yeah, fucking oaf.
1: oaf. It's like an iceberg, They reckon. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks heaps, brother. And, thanks, um, mate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: thanks for having me, boys. And good drive up here. And we'll um, catch you on the next one.
1: Fucking, fucking oaf,
0: oaf, Get an update. Fucking oaf. Mm-hmm.